This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Bruins defeated the Montreal Canadiens 5-2 on Saturday night at the TD Garden. Bridget and Scott, let's get right into our opening shifts. Well, obviously, the, the the big story of the weekend for the Bruins was not a positive one. Uh, late Friday night, early Saturday morning, Milan Lucic was arrested um, following a domestic incident at his home in Boston. Uh, Bruins announced he's taking an indefinite leave of absence. Uh, the, the latest news on Sunday, and this is by the Boston Globe, is that Lucic is due in court Monday or Tuesday um, to face a charge of assault and battery on a family or household member. So obviously just a really bad situation. Um, One that, you know, at this point, the Bruins in terms of like coaches and players have no control over. And obviously they did a good job finding a way to compartmentalize and go out and play a game and beat the Canadians and really, you know, as we're going to get into play one of their best games of the season. Um, But obviously a lot of stuff still to come in terms of what this means for Lucic, what it means for the Bruins, you know, if he's going to come back at all, Um, you know, just obviously just not enough information known right now. Um, You know, as, as the Bruins have said, as a lot of people said, like your first, Thoughts are obviously just for the well-being of, of his wife and children and, um, you know, and then go from there. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of where things stand right now is the, the Bruins obviously have a situation they um, – no one, no one, you know, ever wants to deal with or, or have to confront, but it's there and, uh, you know, it, it obviously is going to have a, a – pretty significant effect on Milan Lucic's future, I think. Yeah, I mean, think about last week. He was on the broadcast for Nesson, and everyone was like, oh, he'd be a great commentator. And it's like, it's not just affecting his time in Boston as a Bruin, like, on, on the ice. Like, think about, you know, maybe that could be gone for him as well. Maybe a potential, like, career um, in broadcasting or anything like that. All of it, all of it's affected um by the situation and uh, it's it's we're only a few days out from it like when we're recording this on Sunday we don't have still don't have a lot of information so um but it kind of seemed clear from the the first um report of this that there's a chance he's not back in Boston at all um the indefinite leave um and also if the team decides that they're like that's a character move that they just don't want to you know keep around someone that did that that you know that could happen as well so um yeah I I guess I'll get into mine as well um my opening shift is Trent Frederick had himself a really good game a two goal night for him 
he uh, he was looking for the hat trick or maybe a Gordie Howe hat trick because he was looking for a fight as well at some point in there. Um, but his two goals came. Uh, he he deflected one in. He I mean he had he was where he needed to be on the ice, uh, both offensively and defensively. And something coach mentioned after the game was uh, Frederick is somebody that's underrated. He thinks because he plays such good defense um, and. You see, you know when he's going, like he's and he's getting to the net, he can be a force. And and he thinks that there's teams that kind of look look past him and, and don't give him enough credit. But he had a really good game. Looked very confident out there, playing in front of his father uh, as all the all the dads were there. Yeah, he had a great game. Obviously, yeah, for sure. And. Uh... For me, I guess my question in, in, in my opening lead is um, obviously Matt Potra has gone a little bit dry in the in the production department after his strong preseason and even his you know strong first six, seven games of the year. Uh, he's around eight points in 16 games played now, I believe is I believe is what it is. And I guess my question for you guys is obviously it's okay. Like he's 19 years old, he's still getting his feet wet in the NHL. Um, not a huge deal. What I would ask you guys is, uh, have we have we expected a little bit too much of him offensively uh, based on his preseason and the start to the season? Are the expectations where they set a little bit too high? I don't think for so. For right now. Yeah, I don't think so because, honestly, like there were no expectations. The expectation was he was going to play another year in juniors. So I've kind of felt all along it's almost like, whatever you get is, is gravy. And obviously at some point that shifts because he becomes a, an everyday player in your lineup. And then certain expectations come along with being an everyday top nine center, which is what he is. Um, you know, I think fortunately for the Bruins, Zach and Coyle have really picked up their production and are producing like top two centers. So Patra can just be your third line center. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's like one point in his last four or five games. But I thought that line was great on, on Saturday night. Him, Heine, and DeBrusque. I thought we're all over Montreal, like every shift. And, um, you know, they they didn't score. But shot attempts when they were on the ice were 17-4 to four Bruins. Uh, shots on goal were nine to two. Like it was, it was pretty dominant. I thought they were doing a lot of good things. So I sort of feel, you know, I'm going to sound like a broken record. Cause like I said, this about DeBrusque, but I do believe that if you play the right way and do the right things and create chances, eventually you get rewarded in, in the points column. And that's kind of how I feel watching that line Saturday night is if they play like that, there aren't going to be, too many games that they're held off the score sheet. So, um, yes, you need to see a little more offensive production at some point, um, goals, assist points. But uh, if they were playing poorly, I'd be more concerned. Yeah, um, on Patra, I mean, in the beginning parts of the season, he had that two-goal game in Anaheim and everybody was like, okay, wow. Um, if he can do this, then, then he's gonna way, way outdo expectations of, of a 19 year old kid that's coming in to take a, 
center role um, when they didn't even know he was going to be ready um, this earlier in his career. So he had a stretch there. We had like three goals in two games, uh, I think in, in uh, mid-October. And he hasn't scored in the last five games. He went from at one point in the season being like their, their second or third highest goal scorer to now he's seventh. So he's dropped down the list a little bit, as you mentioned, like Trent Frederick passed him, Charlie Coyle passed him. Um, there's there's a few other Bruins that have started to produce it, like Pavel Zaka, like you mentioned, that have gone ahead of him in those categories. But um, I and I do feel like we saw some flashes of him in those games where he was scoring or when he was more involved offensively that like I don't think that that has gone away in his game like it's still there's still potential for that to be there but I think that for whatever reason the the way that he's been playing with certain next to certain players hasn't looked as good as with others and when he had him playing next to Pasternak it looked good um but you you probably don't have the luxury every I mean everybody wants to play next to Pasternak you can't play every single player next to Pasternak (laughs) so like when it was Zaka Patra Pasta sure that looked great but you, there's not, it's not feasible to do that um, if you, because you need to use Zaka as a center. So um, he's, he, like you mentioned before, he should be able to, to play with Jake DeBrusque and have that get going. But both of those guys haven't found as much offense really recently as some people would have liked. We had a whole discussion about Jake DeBrusque the other day, um, whether or not the numbers were, what was the word? Um, unacceptable uh and whether his play has been unacceptable which by the way coach brought up again uh, after the game against Montreal that he thought that was Jake DeBrusque's best game and um he didn't score he had an assist um on I believe the second Frederick goal and you know proof that he's playing and the team sees him and the effort he's putting in even though he's not producing goal wise like he still brings a lot to the team. So I know kind of switched from Patra to DeBrusque there, but I guess they kind of fall in a similar category where numbers wise right now, they're not as high as other people, but you still see them getting involved in different ways. Yeah. And they do kind of coincide right now because in their last 10 games combined between the two of them, they have two points combined between the two of them, two assists in 10 games. So, and a lot of that time has come together five on five. So I guess the good news is the team is still winning. And I guess the good news is like everybody keeps saying, all right, if you're not producing at least what else are you doing to help the team? And that's great. Um, but people are saying if, if DeBrusque is slumping, at least he's helping in other ways. That's great. But a slump kind of indicates that you were once scoring prior for it to be a slump. He's kind of just been slumping out of the gate this year, uh, off at least production wise. Uh, and, and, and Patra has, has slowed down. Patra's gone into a bit of a slump. So I guess my question is, Scott, you say that they played well together yesterday and they did. Um, but the, they're not scoring as a, as a, as a, uh, as a combination. If you look at like what, I, like what I just said, the last 10 games combined two points between the two of them. So, do you try to do you do you try to switch something up combination wise, keep that Frederick Coyle and Van Reems like line, but do you try to shake something else up or, to get them going or do you give them just more time to just because the team's winning, right? So there's there's no harm in I guess letting them continue to run and try to build something. 
Yeah, I would just keep giving them opportunities because not only are the Bruins winning, but they're playing their best offensive hockey of the season over, I'd say, the last week and a half, maybe two weeks. They've scored five or more. They've scored five goals in three of their last four four games now. Um, You know, early on this season, we didn't think there would be many games like this where they scored more than three. And now, you know, admittedly against some teams that aren't great defensively, but still like they, they played teams that weren't great defensively earlier in the season and they weren't consistently scoring five goals. So, you know, Jim Montgomery has talked about how he's, he's happy with them getting out of their zone quicker, getting through the neutral zone quicker, holding on to pucks longer in the offensive zone. Um, defensemen having more of a shot mentality. So all of that is happening. And I think you're seeing the top two lines produce. You've seen the fourth line chip in with a couple goals. And for me, I I've seen enough encouraging signs um, from that Patrick DeBrusque Heinen line that with everything else going well, I would let them play through it and see if it starts to, click in terms of goals see if DeBrus gets a couple like you have an incredible luxury right now where so much else is go- is going right on the ice at least that you know I don't think you have to break that up just to try to get one or both of those guys going I think you can try to let them work through it together in that time frame too when they first put Heinen on that line, once Kiki got hurt, um, I think Heinen's played well too. Like, it's like you see some individual efforts from each of the guys that you're like, okay, well, this is, they're doing the right thing. This should lead to something. This And we've gone over it with DeBrusque and now Patra, but also with Heinen, like he has had some games where he's doing a lot of things right and, and getting involved. And um, he's kind of been a, uh, a good playmaker. Like we've seen him be able to move pucks and, and win battles. And um, yeah, so that line in theory has these pieces that should come together and work. It hasn't yet. So I guess what Scott's saying is don't, don't broke, don't fix what isn't broken with the other few lines by just deciding to blow this one up um, at this point. I'm guess I think that's what you meant, Scott, right? Yeah. And also worth noting in this, I know we started on Padra, but obviously DeBrusque is part of this as well. DeBrusque did have a point Saturday night, made, you know, did a good job getting the puck out towards the end of a a penalty kill that ends up leading to a chance for Trent Frederick right out of the box. And that's his second goal. So, um, you know, at least DeBrusque did get, get a point there. Yeah. And to to seg. Yeah, sorry, Bridge. I was just going to say to segue into your opening shift with Frederick, but did you have anything else on DeBrusque there? Uh, no, I was actually going to transition as well. Yeah, no, I just um, – I really like that burst of speed uh, and that finish that, that Frederick displayed on that goal. Um, you know, it's 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 moments like that where you think to yourself, maybe he – maybe Frederick in his, in, his, in his prime, which – what's he, 26? So over the next couple of years, like if he could really polish his game, could he become – could he become? Does he has? Does he have the ceiling of a of a of a second line winger? You think in this league, if he would have really polished that power forward game with some consistency, or do we think he's kind of maybe capped at a third line role? And 
just you guys as Bridget, you're, you know, to expand on your opening shift, just your thoughts on him. Yeah. Well, yeah. The keyword there being like, uh, power, like power forward, like how, what's his ceiling as a power forward? Because you see him make those strong moves to the net. Um, and he's, he's got enough size and puck protection that he should be able to move around his defenders, um, when he's on his game, he, and he does, um, I don't know about the ceiling for him. Uh, we've seen, I, I think for him, it's, it's not necessarily about like, is he a top six, uh, winger? I think it all depends on who you put him with. So it's like, if he meshes best with in your top six, like with that center, then yes, he's like, he's in your top six, but he's, he's a very complimentary player to someone like Charlie Coyle. Um, whereas, you know, I'm not sure what that would look like next to a different center. Uh, we've seen how successful it is with the right person. So, um, I guess that's kind of like a non-answer, Brian, to your question, but in his career, it, it, you know, we've seen him play best when he has that chemistry already built in. He feels more confident. You could see his confidence in the game against Montreal. So I think that that's, that's the best answer I can give right now. Yeah. I mean technically he's playing a top six role now and that line is at the moment producing like a second line um you know personally do i see him being like a bona fide second line winger probably not i've never quite felt like that's his potential like i I think i think he can be a really good third line winger or a second line winger in a situation where like the other two spots on the line are kind of loaded up and, you know, he can be the, the complimentary piece who gets open in the slot and, and pots a few goals. Um, but that said, you know, as I started with, like that line is the Bruins second line right now. I know we, we've said in the past, like, or I've said like that line and the Potra line just called on the middle six. Like it doesn't really matter which one's listed second or third. But right now, one of them is producing like a top six line and and one's not. And it's the JVR Coyle Frederick line that's producing and has been really good for the Bruins. I mean, Coyle's 14 points in 16 games, JVR 12 and 16, Frederick up to five goals now. That's, you know, tied for fourth on the team. So actually all three of those guys have five goals. So um, it's it's working right now, you know. Do, do I think Trent Frederick produces like a second liner all year or in future years? I don't know. I'll have to see it. I'd you know love to be pleasantly surprised though. And, and something else that I, I want to add to what I was saying was playing with James Van Riemsdyk, like we've seen how Frederick has grown playing with Charlie Coyle, right? And kind of taking some of Charlie's game and being able to learn from him. Putting him with James Van Riemsdyk, who is a really strong forward, who is really good in front of the net, are also some certain like certain skill sets he could learn from Van Riemsdyk and make himself a better forward. So like he's at, on this line, he's surrounded by two guys that he could learn a lot from and take different parts of their game and do them well because we've seen him net front. We've seen him like he did have a goal tipping in a puck um, against Montreal. He he can be a pest in front of the net. So maybe he learns a little bit of of nuances that he didn't know before from Van Riemsdyk about like screening or, or like net front. Uh, you know, I, I just feel like there's, there's some potential to grow for him there with a new teammate to learn things from on that line. 